This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey, traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step, and this is Limit Up. This is where we talk with traders, market participants, trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. Now, today we've got co-host of the Market Forecast, Danny Hodgman. How you doing? Eddie, I'm good. How are you? Pretty good, Danny. Danny, thanks for being with us here today. Now, Danny, um, I got a question for you. I got an answer. I hope so. Danny, what's one of our traders' number one goals in the trading combine? I would say to get funded. It's probably the highest average. I would believe yes, so. Yes, yes. Well, uh, to get funded. You know, in this podcast, Dan, we're going to go behind the scenes and talk directly to Mick Aronimo. Now, that's, he's the Top Steps risk manager, and he's the one who looks over all of our funded traders. Oh, that'll be great. Mick's a great guy, really smart, cares about our traders. He puts his heart and soul behind it. And, uh, you know, I've got a lot of faith and trust in him to uh, keep traders on track off the ropes, and uh, he'll be a great guest to have on here. You know, keeping him on the track and off the ropes, beginning of the year, who's better to have on, who can give us the perfect direction on what's working and what's not working for our traders. Exactly. What works, what doesn't, no arguments here. You know, I've lined up some questions regarding success and failure in trading, and not only the trading combine, but trading in general. Uh, I want to make sure traders are getting the best information possible here at Top Step. I have to agree. That information for our traders, and I got to say the teachings, the information, the insight we give here is something I'm really proud to be a part of. Well, are you ready for Mick, Dan? Absolutely. And I bet our traders listening are too. Okay. Without any further hold time, here's my interview with Top Steps Risk Manager Mick Ironimo. All right. Today, we've got Mick Ironimo, Top Step Traders Risk Manager, and... Uh, Mick, how are you doing today? Hey, what's up, Eddie? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. Very nice to have you here, and I think that uh, a lot of traders are going to benefit from this podcast uh, because I know that we formulated the questions, and uh, some of these questions are just going to be, like, spot on. Cool. Well, I hope so. I hope so. No secrets here, so, um, you know, share anything I've got. All right, let's start sharing with your bio. Mick, how did you get in the business? Why did you get in the business? And... Uh, Give us a little insight on that. Sure. Well, I um, I got into the business. My father was a, a broker in the wheat pit, and, you know, I went down to work with him early, you know, Father Sunday, I suppose, at work. And I remember, um, you know, at that time in the pits, grains were open 930 to 115 in the morning. So I remember standing on a bench right at the top uh, step of the pit, looking down, just waiting for the market to open. And I see all these guys standing around quiet, you know, they're all looking up at the boards and then boom, all of a sudden nine thirty comes around, ding, 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 all these grown men. And I think at the time I must've been 12, 13 years old or something like that. I see all these grown men start jumping up in the air, screaming, flailing them in their hands. And, you know, I'd never seen anything like that. It was, um, you know, it was chaotic at first. And I remember- Did, did it scare you? No, it didn't scare me at all. I loved it. I was laughing so hard. I, I was just taken, I was so surprised by what was going on. I was laughing so hard. I remember crying um, just because I thought it was so funny and so wild. So after that, I was hooked. And then, you know, a lot of, a lot of sons, they look up to their fathers. So I kind of wanted to follow in my father's footsteps. 
So I was interested in the business and lucky enough to be able to uh, rope a couple summer jobs over the summers when I was in high school. So I started clerking down on the floor in the grains. You know, I was interested in the business. I was learning more and more. You know, if you're pursuing the business, you want to be one of those traders. I wanted to be one of those grown-ups jumping up and down screaming. And I knew there was a lot of money to be made. And at that time, you don't really think about the, you know, the horror stories or what could happen negatively. But, you know, I knew that there was potential potential there to, you know, make a great living, being my own boss, working short hours. Remember I said 9.30 to 1.15. That's a three hour and 45 minute work day, or at least when the markets are open, there's a lot more work involved, you know, on the front and back end of that. But that's what got me into it. So I pursued it. I did the summer jobs down on the floor. It was a fun place to work. I would have uh, loved to been outside doing something else with friends. But, um, you know, I stuck with something that I wanted to learn more about. And after clerking, I, I opened up my own trading account. I traded for myself for somewhere between four and five years. I uh, stopped doing that, ended up moving to a proprietary trading firm where we were making markets, uh, trading calendar spreads in the grains. From there, I ended up getting an opportunity to work as an assistant with Linda Rashke at her fund. So I took advantage of that opportunity. I, I really didn't know much about her at the time. And when when I found out, you know, her history and her background, it was really appealing. I think for anybody would have loved to have jumped on that opportunity. So I took advantage of that. And Linda and I had a lot of, a couple great years working together. And then um, after she decided to retire and close the fund down, that's when I started working with Top Stop. And it is a pleasure to have you with us. <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's almost four years come this March, and it's been a lot of fun. The time flies by. Now, your title, Risk Manager. You deal with the funded traders. For those that are listening, this is a direct line to Mick. Mick, <laughs> he oversees the funded traders each and every day. Um, I know that last year, funded accounts... 800 and no, no, you're a little, you're a little shy, Eddie. We hit 1,020 funded accounts in um, 2018. 1,020. Yeah. Yeah. Did I miss that bottle of champagne somewhere? <laughs> you might have been. Might have been. You, you're lucky. You get to leave earlier than all of us here. I know you're here. The, you're the first one in the office, but I yes, think I'm, you missed the afternoon right. champagne. Yeah, I'm the one chasing the rats out of the building and, <laughs> uh, and putting the toast on. But anyway, now, uh, Mick, being the risk manager here, you see a lot, you hear a lot, you talk to a lot of traders that are trading for withdrawals and, and for cash to make their money. Now, Mick, if you can, please explain your position here in a little more detail at Top Step. And if you could, how are you going to help us today? Sure. Well, you know, as far as how I'm going to help you today... I hope I'm successful at helping you, but what Eddie and I are going to be discussing, these are, he's going to be asking me questions that, you know, I'm just going to be answering from experience, what I've seen from the traders doing, and also um, probably more so my own personal experience. Uh, I've made tons of mistakes in this industry. The one thing I've been very good at is learning from those mistakes and not letting them happen again. It wasn't a quick turnaround. It's so much easier said than done. So, you know, I've been in the industry about 15 years now and it's taken, you know, all of that time to get me where I'm at today. A lot of people don't realize how difficult the business is and how long it takes to find your strategy, to find your risk management, even to find your confidence too. And I don't define confidence as, you know, putting up a big winning day or a big winning week. Um, there's 
consistency that has to come before you can have real confidence. And, you know, with confidence, you also have to know at the same time, you can be very wrong. So, you know, being quick to judge yourself and judge your entries, judge your trades, these are really important things. As far as importance, and one thing in trading you'll never see is the the term all in. You know, um, knowing that there is an opportunity, knowing that there is a winning possibility. I mean, these are all uh, formulated actions that we put together. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, we're all like scientists trying to figure out a cure for success, uh, if you want to put it that and way. And we do it by calculating risk. Calculating risk, exactly. And uh, it, it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And sure. Such is life. Well, you know what? When it works, it's great. Um, when it doesn't, if you did calculate the risk ahead of time, you're not going to be too emotionally involved. Um, you know, hey, one of the outcomes here is I could be wrong. And as long as I know where I'm getting out, if I'm wrong, okay, that trade didn't work out. Boom, I'm on to the next one. And it didn't ruin my day. It didn't ruin my week. And it doesn't have me banging my head on the desk. See, now that's one of the things a lot of traders need to wipe from their actions, from oh, their yeah. trading days, and is you know harping on a loss. And, and one of the things, I've talked to a lot of people here on these podcasts, and of course, my 30 plus years in the business, one thing I've learned is you need to accept the loss. You need to accept the losing trade. Easy to say, hard to do is just, you know, move on to the next one. That's just really the hardest thing. Uh, one of the hardest things I should say in trading. Oh yeah. It's probably one of the hardest things, especially for an uh, a trader early on, as you've been in the industry for a while and you've survived, I mean, accepting a loss is, you know, almost easier than taking a win, I would say. But early on, and I experienced this myself, you know, early trading, you know, as a small trader doing one one contract to four contracts or something, if I ever found myself down $1,000 early on in my career, you know, the only thing I was thinking about was getting that minus 1000 back to zero. And, you know, when you start trading to just get your P&L back up and you're not trading what the market gives you, you're just going to put it even further down in the hole. You've got to trade the market and not your P&L. The P&L is a byproduct of, you know, your trade decisions. Mick, let me ask you, as a risk manager, you've got a team of funded traders under you that, mm -hmm. that you, you keep an eye on. Now, let's talk about that team. What would be your description of a trader you'd most desire to have on that funded team? Uh, this is a really easy question. Someone who's passionate about what they're doing. Um, not, I'm not talking about passionate about making money, passionate about the markets, their analyzation of the charts, analyzation of the fundamentals. I want someone who really is fully involved and kind of eats, sleeps, and breathes this. They don't have to be the best trader, but I want them to be, you know, hungry to learn more. You've got to be passionate um, because this is such a competitive industry. If you're not passionate about this, um, there's a lot of smart people out there that will take money from you. So be passionate. I mean, it's the truth. You know, there's a lot of sharp individuals out there that are really good at what they do. If you want to be one of the top performers, you've got to be dedicated just like them. Second, Second is, well, I don't know if this is exactly second. I might not be rolling this out in order. Number one is passion. Number two is you've got to want to be better than where you are right now. Um, 
One of my favorite quotes is Elon Musk, if you're not progressing, you're regressing. Um, so markets are always changing. You want to be on the front end of that change and you know, be able to recognize a changing environment. If you're not, um, you're going to be one step behind the market. And our goal here is to be a step ahead of the market, predict what we think may happen, and then let that unfold, be it as it may, a, a winner or a loser. And as far as the funded traders, you know, Passing the trading combine and coming to a funded account is a, a really great thing. It's a it's a big big goal for it's the goal of everybody in the trading combine to earn that funded account. And there's a lot of excitement around that. Um, I want people to be cool, calm, and collected when they're in that trading account, the funded account, because you need to be. Excitement's in an emotion. It's good to be happy for yourself. It's good to be excited. But when you're looking at the markets and you've got your finger on the mouse making executions, you've got to be very calm and emotionless as best as you can be. Mick, it sounds like an awesome team to be. I want to be on that team. I, how does one find a place to be on that trading team, to be on your trading team, Captain? Well, pass the trading combine. You're on the team. Simple as that. It's as simple as that. I don't know how else to answer it. All right. Now, passing the trading combine. There are many steps that you need to take. Uh, there are many detours that can set you off the path. There are many possibilities, opportunities. It's a progression. It's a, it's an adventure. <laughs> it is. Yeah, definitely. You're learning it, about yourself. Exactly. There's, there's a lot that goes into this. And of course, for those that are listening, we're going to break it down a little bit and uh, get some of the uh, direct answers on what's the best path to take. Now, Mick, what have you seen as a risk manager that you yourself have taken as a progressive lesson on trading? Um, I think what I've seen as a risk manager, nothing new, more so just reinforcements about how important it is to be low risk, especially at first. You know, people don't want to hear this, you know, oh, I just earned the funded account, you know, I'm here, I want to, you know, jump right out of the gates charging. It's not the best route to go. You know, you pass the trading combine, you earn a funded account, start slowly. I tell this to all the traders that um, I speak with, and it's because it's the most important thing. It's probably the last thing they all want to hear, though, but start slowly. You know, you earn, you earn the funded account, you've got a nice long runway here. Start slow. Trade smaller than you can. Um, if you have a $1,000 daily loss limit, you have no business coming anywhere close to that. You know, if you're a trader who loses $900 on your first day trading in a 50K account, well, you've just blown through, you know, 40, 45% of your, whole, your overall account cushion. So what I would say is, you know, make sure your losses are small initially. Trading smaller size is going to help that. You've got to get your legs in the funded account. It's new. You've just been trading in SIM. Now you're in the live market. Start slowly because you don't want to find yourself with three losing days in a row finding, oh, my back's up against the wall. I only have, you know, so much wiggle room uh, before my trailing max drawdown. That's, that's an uncomfortable position and there's no reason to get there early on in the account. Um, so just be hitting singles. Start off slowly. You know, psychologically, top step trader trading combine, getting to the top step funded account. What's the difference there? It's obviously what we've always said is we put you in the field, we give you the bat and the ball, and we want you to show us how well you can do. Yeah. You get to that point where you are going to be funded. Mm -hmm. Where's there a division 
of gapping those two and continuing on your path to good trading? Because I know that sometimes I do read uh, some comments in our Facebook community. Um, a lot of traders talk, you know, the positives and they, they discuss situations and such, but there's always seems to be like a little gap bridge. What's the best way as you being the risk manager that you would tell somebody as far as the continuing of successful trading mm -hmm. from the combine to the funded? Sure. Um, well, it's time to get serious now. You know, you're in the trading combine. It, everything counts. Every trade counts in the trading combine. You all want to reach the profit target, earn that funded account. Once you earn the funded account, you're exactly where you want to be. This is what you worked so hard for, invested your time, your energy, your emotions, your money. Now you get to what you exactly wanted. It's time to start taking it really, really seriously because you're already there. You've got something very valuable in your hand and you need to hold on to it. Now, mentally, all right, that might put me on a higher level of stress, wouldn't you think? That's a good question. It certainly could. Um, trading's not supposed to be stressful. It's supposed to be fun. Um, one way to take the stress out of it, I mean, take it seriously, but one way to take the stress out of it is, okay, I've got this strategy I've been implementing in the combine. It got me to the funded account. Stick with that strategy that got you there. It was profitable. It was successful. Stick with it. And your first trade and all the other trades following in that funded account, you need to know, anytime you put a trade on, you need to know two things, where you're getting out if you're right and where you're getting out if you're wrong. And if you frame out every single individual trade like that, there's going to be less stress. If I know that I'm getting out here, I'm right, and I'm going to make money, great. If I know that I'm getting out down at this level where I'm going to be losing this amount of money, but I already... I'm okay with that um, because I put the trade on in the first place. I'm not going to care so much if I get stopped out on that trade and lose what I knew was one outcome. Um, so that removes so much stress. If you don't do that already, do it. Let me know what you think. How does it feel? Does it remove your stress? It removes my stress. It allows me to put a trade on and go out to lunch right afterwards and not even think about it. Feel confident, you know, hey, I put this on because I saw this. It might work, it might not, and if it doesn't, so what? I move on to the next one. I know I'm not risking a huge percentage of my account. I know I'm not putting myself in a bad position if I'm wrong on this one or wrong on the next trade or on the next trade. I've got it all framed out, so I'm never going to let myself get bit too hard if I have a losing trade or if I have five losing days in a row. I'm setting myself up ahead of time to know what my limits are of the boundaries I can operate in. And I'm never betting the farm on one trade or one day or one right. week. Yeah. Now coming from the trading combine to the funded, like I, I think Hoag said, this is uh, leave with the same person. You, wait, I, I know what it is. Stick with the one that brought you. I thought it was something else like leave with the date that you came to the dance with. That sounds like a Frank Sinatra song. The lady's a tramp. That's the song. The lady is a tramp. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of traders want to change things up as they're going to the fund. And I, I know that so many do, you know, and it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. Now, is it is it because, well, no, this is real money. And and, uh, you know, I, I don't understand why either. But you talk to these traders and obviously some pass and some fail. But I, I want to talk about those that that fail. 
what was the the reason behind switching things up? Well, I I do know based off of conversations I've had with traders, they deviate from the plan that they were implementing in the combine when they get to a funded account. And what I commonly hear is, oh, wanted to show you guys what I could do. Wanted to you know impress you, put up big trading days, and you know this causes traders. You know, I don't care who you are. If you're trying to force something that's not you, you're going to fall flat on your face. And I've seen it happen way too many times. I, you know, my heart goes out to these guys because just like, you know, you, you make a team or something in sports, you know, you want to, you want to play your best. You want to hit those home runs and drop a bunch of three pointers and stuff. You want to, you want to showcase your skills, um, only with trading, Unlike sports, in sports, you can showcase your skills, and it's just you and your ability, basically. Uh, with trading, it's it's you and this market, and this market is way bigger than um, your wants and wishes and dreams of, you know, where it's going to end up at the end of the trade or the end of the day. Hey, you mentioned impressing us. First off, we should be second priority. You need to impress yourself first. You need to yeah. be happy with yourself. But one of the things here, and I think you're going to agree with me here on on we do follow our traders. It's, it's, you're not a number. We know who you are. Your name comes up. If you're doing good, we post it in mm-hmm. our Slack. And I, I tell you, that's to impress us is when you draw a check, when we got to write you a check, that's when everybody's like, wow, cool. And, and, I'll be totally honest with you on that, that we are very happy when we do see that. Oh, sure. Definitely. Um, You know, we love seeing success out of our traders, obviously. You know, the checks are fun. The big winning days are fun. But, you know, listeners out there, listen to what I have to say here. As far as, you know, trying to impress your trading firm, I am, myself personally, I am way more impressed with the trader who makes $100 a day, four days a week, than I am the trader who makes 2000 on Monday, loses 1500 on Tuesday, loses another 1000 makes another 2000 Those big swings, you know, on the P&Ls up and down, you know, hats off to you if you have a big winning day. That's great. Sure. But if you're trading to have a big winning day every single day, you're going to have huge losing days. And, you know, what... What's the big deal if uh, you make two thousand one day, lose two thousand the next day? You're nowhere. That's not impressive to me. The big swings. What impresses me is the traders who get in there. They're selective with their trade entries. They maybe make a couple trades a day on small size or large size. And you know, if you can average a hundred dollars a day for four days a week, think of where that brings you at the end of the year. I know there's listeners right now probably laughing. Oh, hundred dollars a day, four days a week. That's four hundred dollars a week. Well, think about it. There's you know two hundred depending on you know how many days you take off. 200 to 250 business days a year times 100. A lot of these traders that are in funded accounts, this is a secondary source of income for them. Mick, I think your target is consistency. 100%. Thanks for saying that. You being on the floor, you knew what the local needed to do every day. Now, the local was a trader working for himself, Mm -hmm. uh, paying the mortgage, feeding his family. There was no room for error. Right. Being a local. Discipline was extremely important, and it and it is just as much today as it was, right. you know, down on the floor. And like you mentioned, making a hundred dollars a day, I, I tell you, it's on some of those days, those guys worked their ass off, and they walked out of there with maybe a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. or maybe down a hundred, and still walking out of there saying, "Okay, I did pretty good. Mm-hmm. I did pretty good." Um, considering the markets, and then, and now 
with electronic trading, the online trading. We've got so much information in front of us now. That trader that is trying to support his family and, you know, paying the mortgage and the car payment mm -hmm. and, and, you know, clothing his kids and sending them to school. There's a big burden on traders. But the thing is, you do see success. There are traders that are doing it. There's a lot of traders that are doing this and having this as a successful career. Yeah, there, there can be a really huge burden there. And um, it's one thing if you're doing it full time as you're only your your primary and sole source of income and you have to provide for multiple people, mortgage, insurance, that kind of stuff, that weighs very heavily. Um, I know for a lot of our funded traders right now, um, you know, this might be a primary source of income for some, but it's secondary for most. And what I can say to that is, you know, if trading is your secondary source of income, you're in a great place right now. You can always grow out of that, but man, to not have that weight or pressure on your shoulders to perform, you know, can I pay the rent next month? Can I pay the mortgage? You know, can I do this? Can I do that? It makes it so much easier to trade when you don't have that pressure. So for those of you who, I, I would hope anybody that gets involved in trading wants to make it their full-time primary source of income, I would say to them, the best advice I could give is don't try and rush that. You obviously want to progress, as I mentioned earlier, but do it at your pace. If it's a secondary source of income and you start consistently seeing that you're adding a nice um, chunk of change to your, your annual takedown every year, well, keep watching that. And, you know, hopefully at a certain point in time that, you know, extra income from trading could surpass your income from whatever primary job you have. And at that point, you know, you've got some real life decisions that you are probably want to going to consider. Yeah, Mick, changing things up here. Um, I talk to a lot of traders myself, as you do also. Now, a lot of talk is uh, about different markets. Now, we talk about this also, talking about the, the characteristics mm -hmm. of different markets. Um, what market fits me? What market would I most likely succeed in? Now, let me ask you, how would you know what market is right for me? Sure. That's a great question. And I don't think there's any one answer as far as finding out. And, you know, this is kind of maybe not the best answer to give, but to, in my opinion, it's the most truthful one to find out what the best market is for you. You got to go in and start trading the markets to figure it out for yourself. Um, I know when I first started trading in 2008, it was when, you know, we were watching crude oil go, you know, up to $145 a barrel and back down again. So here I am, I'm a new trader. I've got less than a year of trading experience on my own account under my belt. Um, and I'm watching crude oil have 10, $20 swings in a day. Um, you know, the limits were the same. There were $10 limits, but you know, in extreme volatility, you know, we would see the limits get lifted and there were $20 ranges in crude oil. You know, that's, 20, if you bought the low and sold the high, that's $20,000 in, you know, maybe a matter of hours. So, um, right off the bat, being a kid who didn't have a half a million dollars in a trading account to risk in the crude oil. I mean, that was, that's one extreme example. I was like, I have no place in this crude oil market. It's way too volatile for me. Um, you know, I just, that was 
that's one extreme example of like crude oil is not for me. I trade crude oil now. So that obviously changed because the market environment changed and all products, the market environment is going to change. So something that might work for you now, you might not even be trading in in six years, seven years, uh, maybe even two years. But I think the best way to find out what market is for you is to go in there if you're in a combine, you're trading sim money. Um, I know you're paying for a subscription, so there's a little little skin in the game financially, but this is the time where you want to figure out what product fits me. You know, Do I want to watch the 30-year bonds move a little bit slower, but at 31.25 a tick, or do I want to watch the you know, the mini Dow, you know, skip around all over the dome at, at five bucks a tick, or the S&Ps, you know, at, at 12.50 a tick. It's all personal preference. Um, if you like the excitement, you know, the quick, fast moving stuff, maybe, you know, maybe one of those markets that has a, a large average daily range, you know, would be something for you. It, it all depends on your trading style and you might not know what that is too. So you're kind of learning about what your trading style might be at the same time you're learning about the products. You got, you got to put your toe in the water to figure it out. Now you mentioned crude a little while ago and uh, how it uh, sort of attracted you to the market? It attracted me because it was exciting to watch. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> okay. Now, crude oil at one point became a fashionable market to trade. It seemed, but because everybody wanted to trade it. Mm -hmm. um, there were many who succeeded. There were many who failed. And that's when a lot of traders were saying that, why isn't this working for me? I'm doing everything everybody else is doing. <laughs> but it's not working for me. And one of the things it is, is exactly what you're talking about. You need to find something, your speed, all right? Um, you know, check your mentality. You know, how do you function? How do you react? Are you uh, quick on the trigger or, you know, are you, are you slow on the trigger? Mm -hmm. It really depends. Otherwise, you pick a wrong market, you're going to be left in the dust. 100%. Now, in the eyes of a, a trader trying to succeed, I'm going to tell you, Mick, that, you know what, I'm not funded yet. You know, I'm struggling in the trading combine. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have a few tips of what I can do to promote some progress in my trading? Okay, Eddie, I got to think about this one a little bit here. There's, I mean, there's so many ways that one could be struggling in their trading account. I see a lot of uh, reasons people are struggling, whether it be over trading. I, I, I think personally, probably the biggest thing that I see people struggling with is bouncing back from their account being at a debit or bouncing back from a losing trading day. Sadly, I think so many people out there think that they need to risk a bunch of money to make a bunch of money, where if you're calculating your trade setup properly, you're going to be exposing large profits while only risking a small amount. And, you know, I see traders and the big accounts lose $2,500 in a day. And, you know, they say, oh, this isn't working. Well, hey, you don't belong losing $2,500 in a day. You're sure. losing too much on a day. It's not going to work because you know what? If you lose $2,500, you know, what does that give you for the next day? Are you going to risk another $2,000? Give yourself two days? Well, no kidding. It's not working. You're losing too much money. Figure out what you're okay losing in the situation that you're in. I think that's right. the biggest thing, you know, because every trader is going to have losses. But if I demoralize myself with a huge loss, then I'm chasing the next day. And that's not where you want to be. So if I get dinged for a few hundred dollar losing day, I could care less. 
I'm walking home happy. You know, I lost money. It's $300. Don't care. I can come in the next day. I know if I have one winning trade on one contract, I could make three times as much potentially than that one losing day. You want to have one losing day wipe out two, three losing days. You don't want one big losing day wiping out two weeks of profits. And and that was something I was guilty of. You know, I'd trade, I'd be on fire for a couple weeks. And this is, you know, trading small, not making thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars a day, but I get hot for two weeks and then, you know, I get a little cocky and I'm like, oh, I'll, you know, now I'll do five contracts. Oh shoot. It's going against me. I hope it doesn't go further. Now I'm freaked out. Oh, please just turn around. Please just turn around. And then you find yourself in the hole real big and you're like, oh, this is sick. I'm sick to my stomach. I got to puke the trade, which means get the heck out when it's not going well. And then after that, you're like, shit, I just wiped out those two hard weeks of great profits. I was riding, you know, riding high on those two weeks. And I just, I completely broke down. My mind wasn't working. And I just, you know, I wasted it all away. You know, one of the questions that I'm asked about trading is, you know, how can I succeed the quickest? And one of the things about, uh, we're talking about losses and losing trades is, Coming into every trade day, not asking yourself, how much can I make? But actually asking yourself, how much can I afford to lose? That's going to keep you in the game. I love that you said that. Um, It scares me. I feel sorry for a trader who says, I want to average $500 a day. You see that a lot. I do. I do. do. I hear from a number of traders saying, you know, I want to average $1,000. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, please don't say that to me. Say it to anybody else but me. Because what that means is they're only trading to make $1,000 that day. They're not looking at the market and saying, you know, oh, um, this is a good opportunity. I'm going to put it on and see what it can give me. Or if I put it on here, I think it can go up to there. If I want to make $1,000 a day, I'm forcing larger contract size. I'm trading the p I'm not trading what I see in the markets. And usually they fall, they, it falls the other way. I want to, if I say I want to make 1000 a day, I'm probably going to lose 1000 a day until I don't have an account. And then you're going to, if you lose that 1000 then you're going to kick on the revenge trade and you're going to try to get that back. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, now my numbers are all skewed. <laughs> and I, you know, then the panic comes in and then you start trading like a fool. And then you're frustrated and you're pissed off and you're blaming everybody but yourself when you could have just had it all framed out. Um, it's such a slippery slope. Right. Now let's, let's talk about that thousand uh, dollars a day and more. Now, Mick, you've seen this a lot. And uh, what should a trader do after putting up their largest winning day or let's just say an extremely large winning day. Okay, so there's a few things. So, you know, certain situations, you know, a trader puts up their their largest winning day early on in the funded account. Um, so I'm going to talk about funded account. I'm also going to talk about, you know, trading your own personal account. Let's say I'm trading a personal account where I like to maintain, you know, $50,000 in that account, okay? And, you know, one day, let's say I just make, you know, 20 grand in one day. It's my biggest winning day ever. I've, you know, my account balance has now gone from the $50,000 maintenance uh, up $20,000. I would say take that $20,000 out, put it in your checking account, put it in a savings account. Your goal, you know, every trader, the job, what you're here for is to take money out of the market. So when you get windfall profits, take it out of the markets. 
that is one option. It's a safe option. It means that money's not going to be in the account to be used as a cushion and stuff. In the past, when I first started trading, if I had a really big winning day, you know, say Monday, for example, um, Tuesday comes around, I made a thousand, I made $2,000 on Monday. Now Tuesday comes around. I'm like, Ooh, I, you know, I can trade a little bit bigger if I want to, or I can put a trade on and, you know, if it doesn't go in my favor and starts going against me, I've got this extra cushion. I can watch it go further and, um, you know, still hopefully it turns back around. Uh Uh-uh. No, I think the best thing you could do with your biggest winning day or any winning day, you don't have to take the money out of the account. I should say the the thing you want to do is protect that cash. If you get off to the right start on the week and you make 2000 on Monday, you're already well ahead on the week. I don't care if you know, you're know you making or losing 2000 a day. You're up money on the week, and your job as a trader is to be up money at the end of the week. You want to have more in your account at the end of the week. Well, you're already a good way there. Now, you should start playing defense with that money. Continue trading. There's going to be more opportunities. You made two grand on Monday. There's four more sessions left. Maybe you'll find some trades. Chances are you will. Maybe you won't find some trades. But if you're taking other trades, you've got to make sure that, you know, if I make 2000 on Monday, I shouldn't be risking more than half or even 25% oh, yeah. of that the yeah. following Reward day. And then the risk. following day, you know, I would love to frame it out. If I make 2000 on Monday, there's four sessions left. How much would I have to lose a day to give back that $2,000? i would have to lose $500 a day on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then I'm back to zero at the end of the week. That's one way to position yourself. Chances are you're not going to have four losing days in a row. So if you do that and don't actually lose four days in a row, you still will have money. But you got to protect those profits. Um, I remember when I was in an office with some guys uh, that were all, we were all trading. They all, we all traded for ourselves. And I was, you know, the younger guy asking the older guys, you know, you know, what are some of the bigger winning days you made? And, you know, and what'd you do after that? One of the guys said, you know, I made a million dollars that day. And I go, what'd you do with the money? He goes, my clearing firm made me take that million dollars out of my trading account because they didn't want me to risk it. You know, it was an extreme volatility in, in the wheat markets at that time. And he goes, I paid off my house. So he was smart with it. That wasn't a million dollars extra cushion he had to trade, you know, more contracts than he was trading or, you know, extra cushion to watch it go against him. He was like, boom, that was the most money I ever made in a day. And I took it out. I paid off something. That money's never going to get taken away from me back into the markets. And let's just go back to keep doing what I'm doing. That's how I made that million dollars that day as it is. Right. Let's take a look at the other hand. How about... uh what a trader should do after putting up their largest losing day. Okay. Well, this is the real good question here. What do you do after putting up your largest losing day? Um, A few things. Obviously, you want to go back and look at what you did and why you did it. You know, how did this become my largest losing day? What was my state of mind? Where was I psychologically? What was the market doing? You know, were we in extreme volatility and I was trading too big? Okay, you know, shame on me. That shouldn't have happened, but it did. I can't be in that position again. I remember after my largest losing day, I called up my best buddy and I was like, hey, having a crappy day. Like, let's meet up. Let's go grab some lunch, hit the pool. I just want to, you know, soak up the sun a little bit and relax. Um, But that was what I did on the largest losing day. And I thought about what I did to make that my biggest losing day. 
And I'll tell you what, I never had a losing day close to that ever since then. Um, it was stupid. I was trading bigger than I should have been. And I, my position had gone against me in the corn to the point where I was like, oh, Jesus, what does it even matter anymore if it goes another dime against me? Or, you know, I was just hoping I was just completely crushed. So I had to go back and think, what do I have to do to never be in this position again? I never watched a trade go against me that far. I never cannonballed or added to a losing trade. Um, it's okay if you're trading multiple contracts to, you know, buy as it's going against you if it's still in your buy zone. But I didn't have a buy zone. I was just, I was flailing basically. But one thing every trader should do if you have a losing day and you're down on yourself, go do something nice for yourself. I had a thing and I had plenty of losing days. Anytime I had a losing day that bothered me emotionally, I'm not talking about losing a hundred or $200 on the day, but something that hurt, you know, I'd take myself out to lunch. I'd go out to my favorite spot. It wasn't a fancy place. It was a little taqueria and I would treat myself to a nice lunch every day because it put me in a good freaking mood. And I knew if I was going to lose today, I'd still have something to look forward to. You know, trading's going to, it's got to be fun for you. You got to make it fun for yourself when it really isn't that fun, you know? You got to make the best uh, of the situation. And I completely agree on that. Now, Mick, you know, we've got the Facebook community and we've got some awesome people in there, uh, awesome traders, sharing knowledge and trade ideas, backing up what they see uh, on the charts, mm -hmm. a lot of um, camaraderie yeah. in the Facebook community. I don't want to sort of lean you on this question, but what are your thoughts on uh, trader online formats and or having a trading buddy? I'm going to answer more towards the trading buddy because, you know, you can, if you're on an online forum, you're talking to other traders, call them trading, trading buddies, even if you only know their username or something. Um, I think there's positives and negatives to a trading buddy. I mean, we as humans need to communicate with people. We're not good in isolation. And especially, you know, when you could share, you know, positives and negatives, highlights and, um, stuff like that with other people. I think that's a good thing. So it's always good to bounce ideas off of other knowledgeable people, but you need to be careful about, you know, the, the buddy relationship per se. Um, you don't want to rely on any other person other than yourself. You can get guidance from other people. That's a great thing. Um, I've talked to hundreds of other traders that have kind of helped mold my own stance on the markets and my own strategy now, but you got to be careful about talking to people. You do not want others influencing you. You do not want to take the trade that other people are taking. Maybe sometimes you guys will find yourself both long at the same time. Um, maybe if you guys build up a, a, a relationship enough to where you look at a chart and you're both seeing the same things, then that's a little bit of a different story. But you've got to be very, I'm so skeptical of a trading buddy because I've talked to a lot of great people, but I never wanted to do exactly what they were doing. I wanted to get their their take on what they do and see if I could pull anything from that and piece it into my own formula, basically. Um, so there's goods and bads. I suggest using, uh, find a trading buddy, find people to talk to, but don't rely on them. That's the biggest bit of advice I could give. Don't rely on anybody else but yourself. No, you're the boss. It's... <laughs> It's completely up to you. You're the one pushing the buttons. Uh, you're the manager. You're the one in the in the uh, in the kitchen. You're the one waiting the tables. You're the. This is your business. So any 
choices, actions you make are completely your responsibility. It's yeah, like, I said. like like you just said, it's your business. So as a trader, you can also think of yourself as kind of a hedge fund manager. You're managing your own hedge fund. Your trading buddy or your buddy, you know, let's pretend he's another hedge fund manager. If another fund manager is telling you how to manage your own fund or your own business, you know, maybe they've got a good idea, maybe they don't, but you don't want your day-to-day operations being directed from someone else at another entity or another, um, you know, institution elsewhere. It's right. it's one way you can kind of make an analogy there. All right. Mick, we all want to get funded. We all want to have that, uh, that income while we're trading. It's sort of a, I'm going to call it a high where you can actually be successful trading the beast, which I, I, I refer <laughs> to the market because there's no mercy with the markets. Um, we know this and those that are trading should know this. But the biggest goal here is, you, know, you mentioned it earlier about uh, getting that funded account and actually seeing money behind your performance. Now, if you could, Mick, since you do deal with so many funded traders, so many situations, what are the three, let's count it, three tips for any trader to reach a funded level? Three tips. Um, Refine your strategy. You know, know exactly what your strategy is. What kind of participant are you? There's a lot of speculators out there. Where do you fit in? No, really, really quick. You, let me ask you something. Refine your strategy. When am I going to know when I need to refine my strategy? Good question. If you've got a strategy that's working, it's going to show in your daily P&L and weekly P&L. You're consistently profitable. If your strategy is not working, most people don't realize how quickly the market tells you this. If you have, and this could vary from experiences, but I'd say, you know, if you put up three losing days in a row for whatever reason, over trading, trading too big, just got caught on the wrong side of the market or something like that, three losing days in a row, I'm taking a day off, maybe two days off to figure out why isn't my strategy working in the current market environment. You got a good strategy. You're not going to have that many consecutive losing days in a row. If you do pump the brakes and figure it out before you get in there and trade another day and find yourself with another losing day. You got to weed out the problem before you keep working with the problem. Tip number two. Tip number two, this goes back to one of the other things we're discussing is limiting your losses. You know, if your job, if your goal here is to make your account balance go one way and that's north, well, what's the one thing that's going to stop you from going north? And that's when your P&L starts going south. If you can just manage that, you know, negative side of the the trading days and make your $1,000 losing days, $500 losing days, and you do that over a few losing days, the bottom line is going to, you know, be drastically different. So, you know, think about it. It's, It's as simple as this. If your goal is to, you know, build your account you really got to be careful of how quickly or, you know, how often you're letting it go down. All right. And tip number three, final tip. Tip number three, have fun. If you're not having fun, um, it's probably because your performance is lacking and, you know, figure out what you have to do to enjoy yourself. If you keep trading into the crude oil inventory release on Wednesday and, you know, blowing your account out, well, you know, it's not fun doing that. You know, maybe you shouldn't trade during the crude oil release or something like that. What about your trading, you know, is pissing you off? What's that? What's that obstacle? And, you know, look at that. It's it's supposed to be fun, you guys. 
And we can do a lot of things about that. Even if we're suffering, it can be fun and exploiting what your weakness is. That should be fun. It's one area. You've always got to figure out your strengths and your weaknesses, leverage your strengths, and then try and, you know, shave your weaknesses down. So finding out what my weaknesses were in the past, that was something I, that probably was where I had most of my fun early on is trying to correct all the things that I was doing wrong. All right. Mick, you gave us three top tips. Appreciate that. Let's go full circle now. And let me ask you about uh, a trading journal. What's your take on a trading journal? How important or not important do you think it is? Uh, It's important, 100%. Um, I don't think anybody could, you know, have any good basis as to argue why it's not important. You want a journal, you know, good things that you did. Hey, um, you know, this was great because I did this. And then you want to journal the negative things. I think it's good to focus more on the negative things because the negative things that are hurting you need more attention than things that are going well. Uh, right. I've never heard from a successful trader that, nah, I don't need a journal. Nobody says that. Everybody wants to know how their emotional state was, how they were psychologically, and that's how you remember stuff. You know, it's one thing to think it while you're sitting in front of your computer screen, but if you don't put it down on paper and then even more so go review it at a later date, are you going to remember when you were talking to yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you going to remember that three weeks from now, Eddie? Yeah. You know, a lot of traders uh, bringing up the trading journal. I don't have time to write it down. I don't have... Do you got a smartphone? Did you know that every smartphone can record messages, dictation, um, anything that you have on your mind yeah. at that time? Yeah. And then you can always go back and complete your, your trading journal, but... I am totally 100% pro that you do need a trading yeah, journal. Everybody, everybody is. Anybody that's had success in this industry is says positive things about journaling. So, Eddie, you just mentioned, um, you know, people not having the time to journal. B.S. You have the time to do it. You got to make the time to do it. I mean, you don't need to write out a detailed novel over, you know, on a journal. It could be, it could be two or three words. You know, give yourself some reference to go back on. It could be two or three words. It doesn't have to be a long story. Cool. Well, Mick, we've come to that time in the podcast (laughs) where we're going to ask you the Eddie question. You ready for the Eddie question? I don't know. Am I? (laughs) I don't know. Could you be? Well, I'm going to ask it if you want to answer it by all means. Okay. Bonus for everybody. (laughs) Lay it on me, I guess. All right. Mick, you're throwing a party. Okay, like you usually do. Yeah. All right. Uh, What's the theme of your party? Jimmy Buffett, uh, Parrothead Party. I'm a big Jimmy Buffett fan, and uh, those are always fun parties. All right. It sounds cool so far. What are you serving at that party? Drinks, food, everything. What kind of drinks, obviously? Um, Probably like the featured drink at a Jimmy Buffett party. I'd say margarita or a land land shark lagers, Coronas maybe, but... (laughs) You know, if it's going to be a real, uh, real party, we got to have everything, Eddie. That's true, especially with Jimmy Buffett theme party. Now, besides family and friends, and me, uh, you can invite any three famous people, past or present. Who would those three people be? Okay, um, got to have Buffett to his own theme party. Sure. We, we need live entertainment. That'd be awesome. And you know, I'm trying to think of. Um, celebrities that are historically, you know, fun partiers. 
Bill Murray comes into mind. They got to be funny. He'd be, you know, he'd be my party too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The look on your face made me think, like, what did I say wrong? What, no, what's wrong I, with Bill Murray? That's a perfect guest. <laughs> the guy's hilarious. Yeah, he's the best. He's the best. Um, so then one more. Uno mas. Uno mas. And this is uh, a famous person. Dead or alive. Dead or alive. Um, so we got Buffett. We got Bill Murray. Hmm. I think we need like a famous female or something. Someone like maybe an entertainer to compliment Jimmy Buffett. Um, I don't know. Just give me some ideas. Your call? Cleopatra? Cleopatra. Bring her <laughs> back. It should be interesting to see, I suppose. <laughs> but that's okay. We'll leave that one open and... Uh... I'm sure that when this party gets thrown, that third spot will be filled. You know what? Let's leave that third spot for uh, either Jimmy or Bill to bring a plus one. Plus they one. know more people than I do. <laughs> All right. That would be a nice surprise. All right. Well, Mick, Mick, I appreciate you coming on with us. A lot of good questions with fantastic answers. And I really hope that those that are listening, I hope it's sort of set in and you realize that there's a lot of work to be done. You can't uh, shortcut. You can't half-ass. Uh, you've got to go straight to the mm -hmm. point. You have to educate yourself. That's one of the things also that we need to talk about uh, in a future interview definitely going to get you back here again yeah you hit it right there um one more parting word you know as, as far as not half-assing it and you know hard work hard work hard work i can't drive that home enough i understand you know some of the things that i'm saying trade a little bit smaller don't lose as much money those might not be the fun things to hear it's the reality though reality reality check every day every trade and uh You'll be fine. You'll oh, be yeah. fine. You have that check. Now, Mick, how can one find you online? Can we find you online? Well, I only work with the funded traders. So once you pass the trading combine and you're in a funded account, all my funded traders have access to my direct line um, or via the funded trader chat room. But I'm only available to those that are trading the uh, real money. Now, if somebody is not familiar with top step and they're just listening to this podcast what do they need to do to get involved with top step just go to the website topsteptrader.com read over our program see what we're all about we provide a great opportunity for traders um, we're a great fit for just about everybody out there and we want to give you the opportunity um, we want to share in your business show us what you can do with your trading We'll back you with our money. We'll assume the risk. And, you know, like we said, take it nice and slow and let's grow this account. Awesome. Mick Ironimo, risk manager here at Top Step. Mick, thank you for your time. Thank you for your answers. Thanks for your insight. And uh, thank you for letting me pick your brain. Yeah, sure you bet. I really enjoyed myself. Thanks a lot for having me on, Eddie. All right. Thank you. Take care, Mick. All right. You too. And we're back. Danny. Honestly, got to say that talking with Mick opened up an excellent venue of valuable information, whether you're in the trading combine or not. Absolutely. Great information all around. I think this interview is just what traders need to hear to start them on the right foot this year and going forward. You know, having Mick on that front line with our funded traders gives us a great stage to, to actually see pass and fail on a daily run. I would have to agree. I do know we get many questions about Mick and the funded trader team. You know, and, and I hope this answered a few of those questions for our traders that wanted to know this. Yeah, exactly. I like how Mick has a front row seat to seeing how our traders succeed and how some keep balance on themselves in order to continue to move forward. One of the questions I was waiting patiently 
to ask about self-sabotage. Now, that's one of the questions that uh, sometimes we don't know that we need to ask. Exactly. I think when we're in that frame of mind, we start to see have that self-sabotaging happening. We don't see it. But Mick, he's there to see this with traders, help them get in front of it before they hurt themselves too much. It's really great just to have Mick there to uh, help traders remind themselves. I totally agree. Totally agree, Danny. Well, traders, uh, those listening, and Danny, uh, thank you very much, Danny, for being with us here today. Thanks for having me, Eddie. Always a pleasure. And uh, I hope what Mick said, the traders who listen will be able to apply this into their daily routines. I hope they do. I hope they do. And I hope they bookmark this and listen to it as frequently as they would like. I agree. Our smart traders will. I know that. Absolutely. All right, traders, as always, thanks for spending time with us. And if you enjoyed this interview, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. It helps us reach new traders. And, uh, well, Danny, we'll see you next time. Everybody, see you next time. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Eddie. All right. Take care, traders. Editing and post-production of this episode was done by Dante32. Futures in Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.